With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. Podcast Miller and Dace, our first one following the 10th week of the college football season and following Iowa's, I think, historic 55-24 win against Ohio State. I talked about this for 25 minutes on Saturday evening. I have a, a number of thoughts still to get to, and let's just hear your general thoughts, Steve, before uh, we start asking questions and, and talking about this one. John, I think if I would have asked the 25 most respected in my own opinion and others and put that number to 50 put it to 100 most respected pundits in college football if they would have predicted Iowa would lay a 50 burger on Ohio State without the game going to nine overtimes <laughs> i'm confident not a single one of them would have done so. And it's not the result that's stunning. You know, I, I tweeted this on Saturday night. You know, now I've only probably got a few more weeks, I think, to, to say this, because I think he's probably going to retire. But, you know, I've had a longstanding MO. Every time Bill Snyder's an underdog, I'm taking him. And it worked out again this weekend. He Went on the road to Texas Tech with his third-string quarterback down by 11 points and pulled that out in overtime. But I'm going to add as my guarantee, Mark D'Antonio as an underdog, Tom Herman as an underdog, Bill Snyder as an underdog, and Kirk Ferentz at home as an underdog against a top-ranked team. There is, you know, we used to say this about Dan McCarney for years. There was the way Coach, Coach Matt coached against Iowa, and then there was the way he coached the rest of the season. There is, there is something about the way Ference gets his team ready for these spots compared to sort of the eh, just-another-game mentality of Northwestern on the road, for example, that, you know, this is, this is not the first top-ranked team Iowa has done this to. And, and frankly, I would argue they've beaten better teams um, in these spots in the past. But the manner in which this was done was shocking. To, to, not, to, to beat Ohio State by not putting them in a phone booth, mm-hmm. by not hitting them with an ugly stick, by, by not making them, you know, uh, essentially uh, wait themselves out, be patient, and grinding them down, but by out big playing them, by blitzkrieging them, by blowing them right off the field, 
I, I, I mean, Iowa displayed a level of explosiveness that, frankly, uh, except for a couple of passes to Akram Wadley at the end of the Iowa State game and at the end of the at the a couple times in the Penn State game, they just have not shown in several seasons. Which means two things: one, you know, it's, Iowa played as good as it could possibly play. But when you put this in the context of the last several losses Ohio State has had, something is systemically not going right there. Now, Iowa had to play exceedingly well to take advantage of it. And they did, and they deserve the credit for that. But I think that you're looking at a perfect storm there. And, um, you know, you look at his last few losses, Urban Myers, I should say, they weren't really even in these games. 31 nothing to Clemson. Uh, the, the game against Oklahoma was 3-3 at the half, but then it was, a, it was a boat race in the second half. And this game, to me, ended early in the third quarter. Iowa comes out, poorly executed kickoff return, start inside your, your own 10, and you have to think, that's the jump start Ohio State needs right there to flip the field, get the ball back, score, and then the pressure's really on Iowa at that point. And Iowa didn't score on that drive, but they flipped the field back, stopped Ohio State, and scored on the next drive. And, and I said then, the game is over now because the running game is really is out of play for Ohio State at this point. They're one-dimensional, and that's just, that's just not their game. And and I think you saw that the rest of the way. And I think the manner by which this Iowa team, with really only one star player on it, and a guy that probably has, except for what he's done in the passing game, not had the season he expected he was going to have by and large in Akram Wadley, um, it, it was just stunning to watch. Stunning to watch. And I'll bet you if those exact same teams played a thousand more times, that result would not happen again. Iowa would probably win several of them, but not like that. I, I that was just shocking. And what it means, I don't. What it means, I think we know what it means for Ohio State. Now they still control their own destiny, but in the Big Ten, I mean, they they, they went out, they win the Big Ten championship. But this is a common theme in their losses in the last going on two seasons now. You know, that defense can't stop anybody. Makes quarterbacks. I mean, now Deshaun Watson is great. Baker Mayfield is great. Made Nathan Stanley, who's got a, a ter terrific touchdown interception ratio, but it, for long stretches this season hasn't been efficient. Made him look great. Um, couldn't get off the field. Remember, they did this with Richard Lego in the first half against Indiana, the right. very first game of the year, too can't get off the field you know and you look at that coaching staff you know with the everybody they have on it and all the celebrated names and everything else and i think i think what it means for iowa we don't know you know i mean iowa blew out michigan state back in 2010 and went seven and four um you know i i, I was shocked number two michigan last year and went eight and four I don't know what it means. This is still a team that's three and three in the Big Ten. I don't know what it means for Iowa. Chances are, it's true meaning if it's a if it's the launching of something and not a one-off. Like you know, every year 
We say this about Iowa every year, and we said this in August. Every year they're going to beat somebody they shouldn't, and they're going to lose to somebody they should not, right? So the argument probably is shouldn't have lost Northwestern. Every uh, dog. Or they, yeah, that's true too. And Northwestern's the first team ever to win three straight overtime games in a row. And they shouldn't have beaten Ohio State. So in many respects, Iowa, it, it doesn't necessarily, it, you know, Nathan Stanley's putting up better numbers than we thought. Akram Wadley's not putting up as good a numbers as we thought. But pretty much, Iowa's not far off in terms of its overall profile and where it's at this season from where we thought they were. You know, we, we thought this was a six to seven win team and they have six wins right now and the schedule down the stretch isn't all that simple it, you know so I, i'm not that I, I don't know what this means could mean then this is a really young iowa team could mean huge things for next year and beyond but we don't know that yet because we're not to next year and beyond i think i think so i think the game was more fun for iowa clearly but i think it's more meaningful meaningful for ohio state because it's a pattern now we have seen going back to last season. Yeah, there's just, there's so many things I want to bring up, but I'll probably forget some of them. You said shocking. And after the game last night, I, I tweeted out to people, this was the most blank game in Iowa football history, and, or, or, or in recent history. And I was curious what people's adjectives would be, because I was struggling to find one. And shocking is the term that I wound up using a lot. I, there, there, you know, you mentioned Indiana and what uh, Lego did to them in the season opener. As I was trying to envision paths to victory last week for this game, I thought back to that game, but it didn't. The thought didn't linger because I thought, well, Iowa's not built like Indiana. They don't have wide receivers like Indiana, so they can't exploit Ohio State that way. But clearly, I tweeted this during the game, and it was verified after the game. Iowa came out with a plan to get their tight ends matched up against Ohio State's linebackers, who, mm-hmm. were, who were atrocious in pass coverage, and their safeties. And boy, did they ever. I mean, that, that was an excellent game plan. Obviously, game plans look great when you execute. That certainly makes an offensive coordinator look even better. But it was a phenomenal plan, and Iowa exploited it. And it's shocking to me because of just, you know, 55 points against Ohio State. It's the worst. It's the most points allowed ever by an Urban Meyer coach team ever, which is pretty amazing. Iowa had over 400 yards of offense through three at the end of three quarters, which is mind blowing to me. Yep. Um, I have to go back. You mentioned the 2010 Michigan State win and they were number five. To me, that 2010 Iowa team was really good. Uh, they just had a lot of injuries. They didn't have much depth on the defensive line, and things caught up with them. Mm-hmm. So that one wasn't anywhere near shocking to me. The 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 I have to go back to the 2002 win at Michigan to find an outcome that comes close to being as shocking to me as what Iowa did to Ohio State. That game in 2002, Iowa out first down Michigan 22-12. to Iowa had 399 yards to 171 for Michigan, 177 yards rushing to 22 for Michigan. And, oh, by the way, that Michigan team wound up finishing in the top 10 at the end of the season, uh, 10-3, and I believe. To me, this was one of the more shocking outcomes. This one, the Michigan game in 2 and, and maybe the 81 win against Nebraska. Just, just pure shock. Because you and I talked last week 
The only path we thought to victory for Iowa was if JT Barrett got hurt. It turns out it's probably good that he didn't because he had four picks. And Josh Jackson just played his way into probably to possibly to the first round of the NFL draft as long as his measurables are okay at the combine if he turns pro, which he probably should. Just a phenomenal game there. So I agree with you. Shocking is, is the term that I want to use. And, and to follow up on what you said about what this might mean for Iowa, we'll know more next week after they play Wisconsin. And if they beat Wisconsin, which I think Wisconsin's a very beatable team, if they beat Wisconsin, I've been hoping against hope before the last four games of the season that Iowa could somehow find a 2008 analog. Um, that 2008 team started 3-3. Three and three. They lost three games by a touchdown or less. They were 6-4. and four. Or no, I can't, five and four coming out of the Illinois game where Stanzi had the fumble six and uh, Iowa had like three possessions in the red zone in the first half and came away with three points. And you and I, I can't remember if we were texting back then or we talked to each other and said, you lose games like that, it's over. And then they came home to play Penn State that was ranked number three and they won that game. Mm-hmm. And then they went on and they kind of ho-hummed their way against Purdue and then they put up 55 against Minnesota and that set up 2009. Because I think, and we've been talking about this all year, I felt that this year was a, a foundational year for what next year probably can be given their schedule and all that they return. So we'll see what this means for Iowa. But I will say this, I, I do think it has some greater significance for Iowa. And you may not think these things are as big as I do because you're a Michigan fan and I'm an Iowa fan. But I think the Iowa narrative is, boy, Kinnick sure is a tough place to play at night or when these top five teams come in and you get these cute phone booth battles against Michigan and these fluke, <coughs> these fluke wins, but, man, it's a tough place to play. But then Iowa doesn't go and they don't do anything with it. Or, you know – you can just kind of write it off as a fluke. When you beat Ohio State 55-24, it's tough to write that off as a fluke. Colin Coward, who has been very much on Iowa's case, if you will, the last several years, saying they're the fake ID of college football, he tweeted yesterday, Iowa turned 21 today. <laughs> That's a great line. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's respect. It's respect. Like, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe these guys can do something. Um, th- there were a number of other things like that that I saw. The national attention was holy crap. And you're right. A lot of that national attention might be what the heck's wrong with Ohio State. No doubt about it. That's going to be the lingering talking point this week. It's not going to be, boy, what a great game by Iowa. But hopefully. It really depends on what what Iowa does. Well, sure. Yeah. If they, if they go I mean, beat Syracuse Wisconsin next beats, week. Syracuse beats Clemson and then. Uh, goes on the road and uh, has a chance to make it happen again against Miami, and then they can't. Right. Okay, so it depends on what Iowa does from here. That That's why I said right now we don't really know what it means for Iowa other than one hell of a moment in an otherwise nondescript season, okay, um, or developmental season if you prefer that term. Because of what Ohio State had at stake, because of what the entire Big Ten Conference had at stake. And I'm sure we'll get into this in the next podcast. I, I think the odds are overwhelmingly against the Big Ten making the playoff regardless of what Wisconsin does. But um, I, I think because of that, 
for now, the game is more meaningful from a perspective of what is wrong with Ohio State. Because it does go with the narrative of the last, the previous games they had lost, uh, you know, alongside this one. They all have the same trend. And they've made coaching changes and everything else, and nothing's changed. All right? JT Barrett still struggles with the exception of a fourth, one fourth quarter against Penn State, uh, where he completed 13 in a row. Um, you know, well, the very next week, Brian Lewerke put up 400 yards against Penn State last week in the rain on Saturday. So they're just they're, – I just don't think they're that good. I, I, think, I, think there's, I think Penn State's skill position talent is insane. It could be argued they have the best quarterback, receiver, running back, and tight end in the conference. Rest of that team, I think, leaves a lot to be desired. I think, I think that Michigan game for them was the perfect storm. They had pointed to it for 12 months because of how much Michigan humiliated them. Michigan goes in there with no quarterback whatsoever. And so when you get on them early, there's no capacity really to come back in the snowball, and it just is what it is. But the rest of their season, I mean, you know, that looks like for Penn State, that looks like the outlier, actually, is the Michigan game and compared to the rest of their season. They're not that stout at the point of attack. You know, and so um, except for one fourth quarter against them when he completed 13 in a row, you know, it's the outlier. What we saw what we what we saw from JT Barrett in the fourth quarter against Penn State since his redshirt freshman season is the outlier. What we saw against Ohio State, what we saw against Oklahoma is exactly what we saw against Iowa. Now, if Iowa wins next week at Wisconsin. Now you're talking about. The narrative completely changes to what it means. Iowa, you know, we always get one team at the end of the year that gets hot, that loses one to three games early on and, and isn't in the BCS and now playoff picture, but is that team that ends up making a major bowl game that no one wants to play at the end of the year and everybody thinks, boy, they should be in it and uh, they win a bowl game and then they're preseason, you know, highly ranked the next year. That was USC last year, right? Okay. Um, Iowa could be that team, like what you just said from 08 to 09, if they go win at Wisconsin next week. If they don't, then it's a really nice moment in an otherwise nondescript developmental season from an Iowa, for, from an outsider perspective anyway. Um, and then we see what it means for next year. But we don't know that yet. I think we'll know a lot more about what it means on Saturday. I agree with you. I think Wisconsin is right for the pickings on purpose. I watched the vast majority of their game against Indiana, even when it was out of reach, because their their style of play is so boring, and they and it, because it's not just you know it's not just the physical style of play that Iowa and Michigan and Michigan State play, it's the teams they've been playing against. I don't know why anybody would watch this unless they're a Wisconsin fan. Right. This this could very well be heading into Week Ten. The worst schedule I can ever remember a Big Ten team playing in my life. I, I bet you, if we went back and did, and we been, went back and did the math, we would find it's one of the five worst schedules in modern Big Ten history. Last fifty years, I bet you. All right, let's not go back quite that far. Let's say last 30, 35 years, since nineteen eighty. It's 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 in the five worst. It's it's just been a dreadful schedule every week. Now, how they'll react this week, you know, it's already a rivalry game with Iowa. And Iowa getting a big win, probably they like that in Madison. 
that'll help them get their players fired up, get them, uh, have them, you'll, you'll have their full attention. Now, when I watched the game on Saturday, though, um, the other starting receiver, not Jazz Peavy, but the other guy, Cephas. he went down. When, yeah, he's done. He, he got rolled play. up bad. Yeah. One, the, maybe their best linebacker went down. He did not come back. I don't know what the with what the word is on him but you know that was a unit that was hit pretty hard in the preseason too so they already did not have a lot of depth there um you know to me they're it's very they're very similar to iowa you know one team runs a four three and the other one runs a three four but you know one quarterback's left-handed the other one's right-handed but it's kind of the same team you know fumagalli they don't have two or three really good tight ends but fumagalli is all american caliber tight end you have Jonathan Taylor, the freshman running back, who has tree trunks for legs and runs with incredible power and explosiveness. Iowa has a guy that doesn't quite have that power, but is as explosive. And 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 what he doesn't have in power over Taylor, he has superior um, missability uh, and um, and lateral quickness in Akram Wadley. So I, I think the game is absolutely a total wash. And as I wrote my Big Ten power ratings this week, I think, uh, and I might even make a case the same is true of Northwestern. I think Duke is better, and I don't think Duke's that good. I think Duke's better than anybody Wisconsin has played so far this season. Okay, so I could make a case. You know, I think the top seven teams in the Big Ten are pretty good. I think the next few, eh, maybe not. Um, and I'd put Northwestern in that group. I think Northwestern, Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, if they played Wisconsin's schedule, they'd all be undefeated right now too and arguably more impressive doing so. Yeah, I mean, let me me read the schedule to you. You're just talking about Wisconsin's schedule. Let me tell you Iowa's schedule next year. The black and gold unites us all, but then what? Kevin the Flag Guy from Heartland Flags here. If you're listening to this podcast, you bleed black and gold. But what comes after the Hawks? For me, it's the Cincinnati Reds and Cincinnati Bengals. Nope, can't explain it. What about you? Packers and Wizards? Pelicans and Sharks? NASCAR and the Jags? Bulls, Bucks, and Chargers? Whatever flag you want, we've got it. Jump online to heartlandflags.com and shop our huge inventory of sports teams' flags. You won't find a better selection or better prices anywhere. Guaranteed. And to top it off, free shipping on all purchases at heartlandflags.com. Oh, and that Iowa flag you've been flying since the Hawks last went to the Orange Bowl? Time to step up and freshen up with a new design. Check out our Hawkeye selection when you're shopping for your other favorite team flags at heartlandflags.com, where you'll never pay for shipping. Northern Illinois at home. Iowa State at home. You and I. Wisconsin at home. And a bye. October 6th at Minnesota is their first road game. All right, let me stop you right there for just a minute. Let's do this in segments, okay? Okay. Iowa State, if Campbell comes back, they're going to be a preseason top 25 team next year. Wisconsin is going to be probably a preseason top 10 or 15 team next year. Already, that's a far better schedule. It's not even close. Right, right. To what Wisconsin's playing. Right, It's not right. even close. Okay, next four. Okay, at, go ahead. At Minnesota, at Indiana, home against Maryland, at Penn State. Well, your favorite in the first three, Penn State. I mean, obviously Barkley will go pro. Um, I would assume. I think Gasecki's a redshirt junior. Deshaun Hamilton, I believe, is a redshirt junior. If those guys go pro, then they're probably going to just be a preseason top twenty-five yeah. team. 
if if all the guys but Barkley come back, you're looking at a team that I think brings back like 14 or 15 or 16 starters plus Trace McSorley, so they'll be good again. Right. Last four at Purdue, Northwestern at home, at Illinois, and Nebraska at home. Well, and you're looking at Nebraska likely with a new coach. Um, and if it's Frost, which I have my doubts, but if it's Frost, I think it, I, if it's Frost or Leach, because of the transformative ability, what they'll do to, to transform Nebraska's offense, based on what we've seen them do as head coaches, is so unpredictable, it's hard to know what they right. will be at this time next year. But is that a soft schedule? Yeah. But, dude, it is it – is, it is the murderer's it is, road it, compared it, to it Wisconsin. It is releasing Eastern Europe from the Iron Curtain in the 1960s compared to what Wisconsin is playing, brother. Okay, Wisconsin has had a season-long bye. I've never seen anything like it, and some of it's not their fault. Most year we have seen great programs go to BYU and lose. We've seen number one teams in the country. Over the years, yeah, go to BYU they're, they're not ducking anybody. I mean, they play LSU, they're playing Bama, right, Notre right, Dame. Right. It's not their fault that, you know, most years when you look on the schedule and you're going to BYU, frankly, we would look at that most summers and say, we're analyzing the season. Why would you ever do that? No doubt. Okay. No doubt. People go out there and lose all the time. It just so happened the year they went out there was the worst BYU team in at least 50, 60 years, okay? So I don't blame them for that. And then you have the conference. I mean, the, the most every Big Ten team should play one-name opponent and schedule two other wins. Everybody should do that, okay? So they did that. They, they played a name opponent in BYU. It just so happens that it's the worst BYU team in, in forever. And this was a BYU team that won nine games just last year, okay? So – that's not their fault, and it, and I don't blame them for playing two scrubs because you should. And the league schedule is not their fault either. Uh, but but it is what it is. That that's they are playing arguably the worst schedule I can remember a Big Ten team ever playing. Yeah, you, you're. Did you see the exchange your boy Todd and I had today? No, I did not. Oh my gosh! Because for I, those who don't know, Todd is my assistant essentially in my day job. But go ahead. Yes, um, he's a I, Wisconsin grad. Yes, he is. I, I was talking about uh, Iowa Wisconsin schedule being weak, and he was trying to say it's it's exactly the same as Iowa's 2015 schedule. And I'm like, bro, no, it's not. Iowa had two road wins against top 25 teams through seven games of the season, including Wisconsin. Um, it's not, and, and there's only one other team that, that in that season that at that point in time had that, and that was Alabama. So no, right. it's not. Right, it's not. Anyway, um, a couple more things about the game. What do you think of Stanley's touchdown throw with the guy draped around his feet and and the uh, zip I, that he I, yeah, had that on that? Was, that was a tremendous throw. There's no question about that. Uh, that that was. It was just a tremendous throw. Yeah, no I, doubt. I tweeted out that there there's Nate Stanley's Iowa career before that. And really, I felt this was a, a game of demarcation for his career, or possibly. I saw be. you tweet that, and and I hope you're right. That's a heck of a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Well, I didn't say he's going to be an right. All-American after this. I said okay. that I, I think his trajectory is pretty strong. Oh, you know what? Only because I'm hoping that the tight end utilization that we've all been waiting for, and assuming Brian Ferentz would yeah. employ, given his time with New England, that was a very New England attack in this game. I'm hoping that maybe the training wheels were just taken off 
and that Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson now they're going to keep doing this because you, you, you get them to next year when they're a year, year older and a year stronger and able to block even better. You can run, you can run two tight end formations all freaking day and you can run out of that and you can throw out of that. I, I've been impressed with Stanley all season. You know that. And yeah. I thought that was just, that was a maestro like performance and his teammates compare him to Ben Roethlisberger. That was a Roethlisberger play. I, I want to say this. I don't really know, as a Michigan fan, I don't really know what beating Ohio State means because <laughs> we've done it one time in 15 years. Okay, so wow. that that should factor in to yeah. Tell me about it. That that should factor into some of my big picture view of this. But the way that Iowa did it. Is so out of character for how they have won games like this and how they play in general. I'm, 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 I just, I'm hesitant about drawing large sure. conclusions from sure. it. That's all. Okay, it's almost like playing horse. When you play horse and you want to play, you, you to to win, you have to prove it, right? Yes. Whenever yeah. you get E and your friend misses the shot, you got to come back and prove it to to yep. sense the victory. So yep. for Iowa. You want to see him prove it, and I, I, I'm perfectly fine with that because I'd like to see it too. Because I think the, I think the game, it's a game of demarcation for Brian Ferentz, so I think it's a game of demarcation. Well, I hope so because if it is, then I think it's going to end up being that for for Stanley. But I you, mean, you're coming off a week where he's getting publicly reprimanded by his old man for his behavior and things of that nature, and 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 you go right into this, and I, I thought, I think it's a game of demarcation. I think this was sort of. You know, he's a made man, made man now, if you will. I, I think this was his line of demarcation. Yeah, I, I think that that's potential, with especially if they can live up to what I think next year could be. There's, when you talk about made man, I think the family business could uh, extend for a while. I, well, I, to me, I think I thought I thought Stanley's line of demarcation was the, especially with the team Iowa State turned out to be, the way he played in that game on the road. And well, sure. Iowa State forcing Iowa to play their style of football, open up the offense, um, expand the repertoire, and do it with a young quarterback on the road in his first start, and you're down by 10 in the fourth quarter. I, I kind of thought that was sort of his coming of age. Yeah, I, and I think the two times we've seen it this year where Iowa had to play a different style, two best, mm-hmm. games, of two best games of the year. Right. And another thing, Iowa hasn't been able to block anybody this year, as you well know. Mm-hmm. And Ohio State comes out, and what I saw was an Ohio State team that came out in base, didn't really commit eight players to stop the run until the second half, and even then it was yep. sporadic. That was a very – I'm going to use this term because I can't think of another one on the fly. It was a very arrogant game plan. It was like, I think – well, I shouldn't – they felt like they could get things done in their base, and, and they should have, actually. But, but, but surprisingly, or not surprisingly – Iowa runs for nearly 250 in the only time all season long where they haven't faced eight or more man fronts. Maybe it's hard to block eight with five or six. Well, I'll say this. I, you know, I'm, I go back to something Nick Saban said when he was at Michigan State. And he used to say he would rather face a team, he thought as a defensive coach, it was easier to game plan for a team with great wide receivers than excellent tight ends. And he said the reason why is because the difference in skill and capability and, and, and ball skills 
between yes. college corners and college linebackers in space is a chasm. Okay? And if you have playmaking tight ends, he always thought that was harder because college linebackers just weren't even really good ones. Weren't accustomed to playing in space the way college defensive backs are. And, you know, I, I think you saw some of that on uh, on on Saturday. Because, I mean, when we get to the NFL Combine the next year, the next two years, you're going to see those Ohio State linebackers that Iowa just demolished. You're going to see them winning the, the uh, yoga pants and jo- or uh, the uh, jockey Olympics. I promise you, you will. You're going to see guys running four six twos and four five nines, which for you know linebackers and supposedly the uh, thick ankled Big Ten will be outstanding. But there's a difference between having great speed and having great instincts and understanding angles and ball placement and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of Mark Andrews at Oklahoma, everybody that Ohio State typically plays, even Indiana, they were throwing back shoulder throws to Semi Cobb that entire game when they were lighting Ohio State up. I mean, those guys aren't asked to play like that very often. Those guys are asked to essentially, even if they're not blitzing, to play close to the line of scrimmage and run downhill when they see the ball is handed off. They're not really asked to, 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 to play route trees in space against men who can, of that size who can move. And you just, you just don't see that very often in college football. And, and, and listen, right now, John, going into, I don't know what the stats are after this week. Do you know who's leading the NFL in yards per catch heading into this week? Do you know? I, I wouldn't have a guess. Vernon Davis, the number two tight end with the Washington Redskins. Now that one, that first of all, any tight end it would be a shock, but you would Vernon Davis couldn't do that when he was an All Pro ten years ago. Even NFL linebackers struggle to cover like that in space. All right, and that's why you know a number a, a tight end two is the number, is leads the NFL right now in yards per catch. Hmm. So you saw that. You saw some of that play itself out on Saturday. But, you know, for me as a Michigan fan, you know, at times I've been a little disappointed with how long it's taken to develop our team with all the high-priced coaches. They're paying even more money there. And they're, they got even bigger names there. Urban Meyer is a bigger name than Jim Harbaugh, and deservedly so. Greg Schiano is a bigger name than Don Brown. You look at the offensive coordinator, Kevin Wilson, that they brought in, certainly a bigger name than Tim Drevno and Pep Hamilton. And we don't have a three-time captain at quarterback. And we don't have all these high school prep, all juniors and senior All-Americans. Our guys are all freshmen. And still, it's been a consistent problem with them. And you just wonder. Now, you texted me something over the weekend about burnout with him, with Urban Meyer. I said he looks like a guy that's uh, maybe thinking about spending more time with his family. Well, I, you know, you and I had this conversation when Harbaugh got hired, and you asked me. We did that on the podcast, remember? You asked me, well man, will this be like another 10-year war? And I, I told you I didn't think so. I, I didn't think he'd la- – I thought, actually, he would, he'd be gone before Jim went back to the NFL, and I still believe that. And I could see him going to the NFL. You know, I, I, I think, I think I, I've always believed the whole Cardale Jones thing was simply to show he could – he kept him in weeks after he wasn't effective two years ago. And I think he just did that because he wanted to show he could coach an NFL quarterback. I could see him – saying, I've never tried it. I'll check that box. Let's see if it works. I've done everything else. Now, the recruiting class they brought in last year, 
the one they're bringing in this year, I mean, they're recruiting like a mother, but they've been recruiting like that, you know? And if they don't win out, then, you know, he's going to have one Big Ten championship in what now? 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, in six, in six seasons. One in six seasons with a roster, and it's not even close. There's Ohio State's roster, and then there's the rest of the Big Ten. Man, one to 85. Yeah, it's me, not even close. Let, let, let me – this might be hard to extrapolate. When you look at the success he had in Florida, obviously he had a, a generational player in Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Um, easier to win in the SEC than it is in the Big Ten? I don't know. You know well, win I think titles, have, maybe. I think when you have – when you uh, keep in mind the era that he was in the SEC, they were winning eight champion national championships in a row. Auburn won one, Alabama won a few, Florida won, won two, LSU won one. So you had four different schools. Georgia came within one play of being in two national championship games under Mark Richt. I mean, that league at that time might have been as good as any league I've ever seen. Sure. Um, I might be able to argue it's easier to win in the SEC now than the Big Ten. I might argue that. Right, right, right. Back then, I would say no. Um, I, and and I, don't, I wouldn't take anything away from the guy at all. But something, I, I, something's just not right. Okay, I mean they're they're getting boat raced in these games, boat raced. And keep in mind, until JT Barrett went thirteen for thirteen. They were getting boat raced against Penn State, at least on the scoreboard. They were dominating in yardage, but it was 35 to 20 going into the fourth quarter. Right. You know, so I, 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 I don't know. Something isn't clicking. I'm not really sure what it is. Last couple of things here. J- j- to me, Ohio, I mean, it's not just to me, it's Iowa football. Ohio State has been their Darth Vader. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just the way that it's been. Uh, from Matt Benson on Twitter, Iowa has played Ohio State 64 times all time coming into yesterday and had never scored more than 35 points against them. Wow. Last time Iowa knocked off a top 10 Ohio State team was in 1983. Wow. Um, this was the worst loss in Big Ten play for Ohio State since they lost 63-14 to number one Penn State in 94. Um, here's the number of quarterbacks against with arguably the best offensive team I've ever seen in the big 10. Yeah. Uh, here's the list of the last 20 year quarterbacks that played against Ohio state. Here's the list of them that have had five touchdown passes and zero interceptions. That list is Nate Stanley. Wow. That's the list. Um, Iowa 20 plus point underdog won the game outright by 30 plus points. Only the fifth time that's happened since 1980. Wow, I saw R.J. Bell tweeted that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, R.J. Bell is your guy. You remember that. Um, what, one other thing before we go. How do you not get Dobbins more than six carries? How, 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 how do you do that? I mean, six carries for him, Mike Weber had five. Yeah, you know, I, I, w- I was listening to – college sports nation before the Penn State game and an Ohio State fan called in and they were they were taking calls on what you think the key to this game is and an Ohio State fan called in and he said I know everybody's talking about JT Barrett this and JT Barrett that we got to be able to throw the football he goes 
I'm a, I love Ohio State. I've seen every minute of every game my whole life. He goes, I have a completely different take than all of you guys. My number one, my number one thing would be don't forget and abandon the running game. Because Urban Meyer has a tendency to do that in these big games. And we're not a team that if we ask JT Barrett, chances are to throw it more than 40, 35 times, we're probably not going to win. Now, they did against Penn State, and they won. But what did they have to do to win that? He had to go 13 for 13 in the fourth quarter. Essentially, he had to play arguably the greatest game any Ohio State quarterback has ever played, arguably. Okay, so that's not he can't play at that consistent level and almost no one else on planet Earth can either. You know, and and I thought about that as I was watching Ohio State give up its brand in running the football. And I think you're exactly correct about that. Now, he was a little banged up, was my understanding, coming into this game. So they might have been concerned about that. Mike Weber, you know, had hamstring issues early on. And he's had fumbling problems. He hasn't lost too many of them, but he's put the ball on the ground several times this year. Did it against Iowa too. So you know, all those runs, all those there. runs are are zone read plays. Yeah, I know. There's, 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 it's just, it's hard to criticize them because they've been so successful just from a pure winning. But you're right. Standpoint. It is, it is weird. It is weird to have that good a running quarterback, and they don't really run a lot of RPOs. No. Most of their runs are most of their passes are straight dropbacks, and most of their which makes no sense. They don't run a lot of RPOs because a lot of their runs are zone reads, but a lot of their passes are straight dropbacks. It, it's it, it it's odd, and you wonder. And the one thing I wondered about, I just you know didn't think it sounded smart, so I didn't say anything about it at the time. But Bringing in Kevin Wilson, the, the thing I wondered about to myself was, and I, I thought, well, if I say this, I'm going to sound like a bitter Michigan fan, so I'll keep my mouth shut. But I always wondered about bringing in a guy who in and of himself has highly respected offensive credentials and is a former head coach. And that's Bur- Urban Meyer's side of the ball. You know, like I really have a hell of a lot of respect for James Franklin and what he's done at, at Penn State for this reason. He, he's an offensive guy, too, and yet he brings Joe Moorhead in to run a totally different offense, and he says to Moorhead, if I, if, if I was a better coach than you, I wouldn't hire you. I brought you in because you're better at this than me, and I went 7-5 and five with Christian Hackenberg. So you're running the offense. See, it's easy for Pete Carroll to let Norm Chow coach that side of the football because he's not an offensive right. guy. It's much harder to do what James Franklin did with Joe Moorhead and say – you are better at my specialty than I am, so I'm going to be the face of the program. I'm the CEO. I'm the recruiter. You're running You're running that side of the football. That's hard as heck to do. And I've often wondered if a guy and, – and, you know, Franklin's a good coach, but he doesn't have close to the resume Urban Meyer does. How hard is it for – can Urban – who really is calling those plays? Who really is in charge? You know, and are they, are they kind of saying, well, we'll run a little bit of what you think, Kevin, and a little bit of what I think? I wonder if that and if, if they did that and clearly when you didn't the other guy the guys they had the last couple of years since Tom Herman left didn't have the didn't have the name ID that Kevin Wilson did so Urban Meyer's going to run them over. You look at the way Urban Meyer lit up Tom Herman earlier this year. Remember that? When Herman was talking about after they lost to Maryland, we can't sprinkle fairy dust on this and the way Urban Meyer came out and blasted him, do you remember that? Mhm. 
And it was the week of the Oklahoma game, and we were sitting here thinking, like, doesn't Urban Meyer have 50 other things to think right. about than blasting Tom Herman? Well, I wonder if some of that is Urban Meyer got tired of hearing about how Tom Herman's some offensive genius, and his program has gone down since – his offense has gone down since Tom Herman left, and that's his side of the football. Well, you know, is Kevin Wilson really the offensive coordinator there? Really? You know? And – and it's it's easier when you're down 35 to 20 and your whole season's on the line to then say to Wilson, particularly when, you know, you can kind of, if it doesn't work, you can throw him under the bus in the post game. It's easier to say, all right, man, it's your show. If this is what you want, we're going to run what you want. I, I just wonder how, I've, I've wondered from the beginning how that dynamic was going to work. I mean, if you look at Kevin Wilson's personality at Indiana, you know, I, I, he didn't strike me as a shrinking violet that was taking the backseat to anybody. So I, I've just never understood that mix, really. It's, I, I could not I could I can't see Urban Meyer just giving up total control like that. I, I just can't. Indiana game is the only game that Dobbins has had more than 14 carries all season long. That's criminal. Yeah, it is. I that's the, so that's the term that I used. It, it just it it blows my mind. It's you get too cute, and I think Ohio State got a little too cute this week in their game prep. And um, hats off to the Iowa coaching staff and players. What a um, what I mean that an unexpected fake, day. The fake they ran there was beautiful. The pooch punt. Now here here's what here's what this here's one thing this does mean going forward for Iowa for sure. Every time they punt on fourth and four from the opponent's 39-yard line. They will punt. Every time they uh, take a knee, they call in Kaepernick it with two timeouts at the 35-yard line at the end of the half. You know where I'm going with this, okay? Mm -hmm. Every time they have their non-top five or top ten opponent in Kinnick Stadium game plan going, people are going to rightfully – lose their hookahs because once you put that on film once you put that in people's memory banks that you can do that the way iowa attacked the middle of the field john how many years have you done shows with me where i have screened out what throw the ball yeah that was the greg davis era in the middle of the field and it's not just you i watch i watch most college teams do not force the other the the defense to play the middle 30 yards of the field which makes them much easier to defend because the whole goal is it's more about limiting turnovers than scoring points well now if you're now that that's all on tape now that everybody's seen that and now that everybody's seen Iowa's willing to do it you and I both know what the exp- if they lose 17-14 to Wisconsin on Saturday you and I both know what's coming on sound off afterwards, except there's legitimacy to it. People are going to ask. You can't, you can't, people are going to say, you can't tell me Wisconsin has better athletes than Ohio State. So why we punt it on fourth and three from the 38 yard line and have it go beaten in the back of the end zone for an 18 yard punt? Well, this year they. You and I both know that's coming. And, I, and, and, I agree. And it's deserved to some degree, don't you think, after what we saw on I, Saturday? I agree. Totally agree with you. Here's why I don't know that I think it's coming this coming week is because they they had their moment for this season. I, I almost think, in a way, the rest of the year is house money. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. And you know what? 
there's no reason to go down without absolutely firing everything you've got. So I'll be doubly pissed if that happens on Saturday. No doubt about it. Um, all right, that'll do it for this Iowa edition. We went a little longer than we normally did, but I think everybody is probably fine with that. I was actually looking forward to doing this one all day myself. So uh, thank you to Exile Brewing Company, as well as Heartland Flagpoles and Flags for your support, and thank you for listening. <laughs>